This podcast is being recorded on the traditional land of the Blackfoot Confederacy. This consists of the Kainai, Pekani, Siksika, and the Blackfeet in the U.S. We acknowledge the Stony Nakoda, which consists of the Bearspaw, Morley, and Chiniki. We acknowledge the Satina, who are Dene, and the Métis, Inuit, status and non-status from all of Turtle Island, and those who are visiting. We are all treaty people. Welcome to the Dave Leary Show. Welcome to the Voices in Recovery podcast, brought to you by Freedom's Path Recovery Society in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Thank you for tuning in. Please remember that these opinions that are shared are those of the individuals and not of any agency, organization, or other entity, unless otherwise specified. Also, if you're a minor, please check with your parent and or guardian as you need to have permission to listen to these podcasts. We will potentially talk about violent subject matter, sexual content, and difficulties human beings face on their day-to-day lives in recovery. Gord, thank you for coming, man. Would you please tell us about yourself? No, sure. Uh, what do you want to know? All of it. I mean... Uh... <laughs> You've I, got nine hours, so you've got as much time as you need. Yeah, right on. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to take a pause break and let the wife know I won't be home tonight. Yeah, but, Darcy's uh... got no plans for the week either, so he's fine. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Well, uh, so, so I mean, we're, we're talking about recovery, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess, I, you know, I'm not a big uh, tell-my-story kind of guy, David. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't... So... I can tell people and I can tell you about who I am and who I was, Mm -hmm. uh, but I don't like to get into details and specifics because uh, that only I find serves two purposes. Mm -hmm. One is that it will feed an ego Mm -hmm. that I've been working for four years to try and squash Mm -hmm. the best I can. And secondly, I might alienate someone that's listening to the message because it's not the same. That's right. They never tried, you know, this drug or that mm-hmm. drug, and and uh, they never went to these depths or were worse off. You know, mm-hmm. either way, I don't like to alienate people. But um, in in the way of uh, what I've learned about myself, you know, I I was a young man, and and uh, you know, yeah, I had I had a, a an alcoholic father who was quite abusive. Uh, although I need to be honest. I had no real idea that that mm-hmm. was not normal. Yeah. Um, that was the life that I knew. Mm-hmm. So I grew up around, uh, you know, bikers and hard people in Ogden. And and uh, that was all very, very normal stuff. And mm-hmm. I had friends and, and things were wonderful uh, to me. Yeah. Um, at the time. And, uh, and then I think it was the summer before grade four, I moved, we had to move to Red Deer. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we did that. My dad got a job, so he moved us to Red Deer. Now I'm a young boy who has basically lost all of his friends. And, and I think that that's where I started um, really feeling sort of a loneliness and emptiness, uh, started recognizing the differences in me. Gotcha. Uh, if you can relate to that or know mm-hmm. what I'm saying. Anyway, sure. um, you know, I try to make friends and, and uh, 
you know, it didn't work out too well. And, you know, I, I ended up getting beat up a lot, believe it or not. I know you're looking at this guy who's, uh, you know, no six, chance it's ever happened. Six foot three yeah. and 200 and whatever pounds, <laughs> right? And uh, you're like, no, come on. That's... Mm. But yeah, no, that was, a, that was a real daily problem that I had. And I suffered from that for many years. Yeah. Uh, all the way up until grade 10 where I decided I'd had enough. And yeah. But anyhow, through those years, I, I spent a lot of time, you know, of course, you know, getting physically abused at home. Mm and physically abused at school so there was no shelter for me i i would uh, literally come home and go straight to my bedroom and that's you know when i was in my early teens or almost a teen i picked up a guitar and and uh, before that i was writing poetry and songs mm-hmm. and stuff well later learned they were songs but yeah. uh but yeah i spent a lot of time alone there were nights that i would cry myself to sleep mm-hmm. Now, what I didn't recognize back then was that I also had things that happened to me uh, when I was laying in bed at night. I would I would think about awful things, mm. things that didn't happen yeah. yet or were ever going to happen. Mm-hmm. Like my brother, the, who I care deeply about, my younger brother, and I I would I would envision him playing down on the on the creek that's frozen over like we did so many times and envision him going through the ice and I'm wide awake, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not dreaming and I'm thinking of these things and it would bring myself to yeah. to an anxiety and sometimes to tears and I would stress out and, and I wouldn't sleep well at night either. Um, at school, I, I took the beatings. I learned very, very young to, you know, when dad was, was on mm-hmm. us that, uh, that if you curl up in a ball, you know, and, and just wait it out, it'll stop. Mm-hmm. And so, unfortunately, that made it worse uh, because it just kept happening. Yeah. Um, so, lots of things going on here. Um, not really sure where I'm going with this, except for I look back now and I can see what we like to, to call the spiritual malady, mm-hmm. that sickness, that hole in me that I could never find anything to fill. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that went on for several years. It was in junior high. My brother had become quite popular, mm-hmm. which I'm glad. He's he's actually a wonderful human being, my brother. Um, although he's had his struggles as well, but he he didn't have to go to the depths that I did, thank goodness. Mm-hmm. And now he's got a beautiful wife and, and uh, two beautiful sons, my little nephews. Uh, and uh, just, a, just an amazing guy. But... Uh, Back then, he was quite popular, and uh, you know, I would try and hang out with him and his friends a mm. bit. And and where it started, my dad was a coach, and he would coach ladies fastball, and my mom played, and so we would go camping, and we would uh, we would play, you know, they would play ball, and we would play while they played ball, and and uh, for some reason, one night we decided to steal some beer from the keg, mm. you know, the community keg. <laughs> And uh, it was now community keg for 10-year-olds as well. And, just uh, dipping the toes. Oh, yeah, just checking her <laughs> out, right? Just feeling it out. And I'll never forget. Um, I'll never forget that feeling. Mm-hmm. Now, I hadn't thought of that for years. And, in fact, I came, I came back to this program um, years, years and years later uh, with the idea that I was only an opiate addict. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, with a slight daily cocaine problem, right? <laughs> with my occasional daily cocaine problem. My occasional yeah. usage every day, all day. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I wasn't an alcoholic by any yeah. means. Uh, and uh, fortunately, when I went to... Now, I don't know the anonymity here if I should mention the actual treatment center that I went to, but I am very grateful to them. Mm -hmm. It's totally up to you because okay. sometimes people might not know the treatment center's there. Fair enough. Yeah. I, I was in 1835. Right on. Recovery Acre Society. And, Great uh, place. Oh, fantastic. Just yeah. absolutely got me off on the, on the right foot to mm -hmm. uh, eventually help saving my life and changing my complete uh, mental state, really. Mm -hmm. Uh, complete psychic change, I suppose, if you will. Yeah. But uh, I was in 1835, and, and what they do for a step one there, you may know, is uh, is they have you write down your using, drinking, and using history. But they don't want this long, drawn-out, colorful story because I can provide that. I'm a, yeah. I'm absolutely a great writer. I love writing. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, my daughter laughs. She's uh, my oldest is similar to me. She can. She can write a paper before class, uh, you know, 20 minutes before class and pull off a 98%. That, mm -hmm. that was me. So, yeah. of course, I want to go on and tell all the details and, and color up this story. Yeah. And they, uh, they, they really uh, didn't want me to do that, which was, ended up being quite good. What they wanted me to do was to look at the first time I drank and, and, and the thoughts and the feelings that I had with it. And, and then, you know, how that progressed into other things. And, and uh, what I realized when I did that was I was absolutely alcoholic. I was absolutely an addict. Mm -hmm. And in fact, there's zero difference between the two. Yeah. Um, so when I first had that drink, I felt like that hole was filled. I felt like I was having fun I, I just got goosebumps when you said that because that's exactly how i felt when i had my first drink and that's i just it felt like that something was filled i wouldn't have been able to tell you what it was but yeah 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 but you relate to the I feeling you know what i'm 14, talking about yeah. Yeah. yeah isn't that something and i think that that holds true to mm -hmm. the majority of us i mean that's why that book that was written in 1930s yeah. you know 35 i think yeah, was something, it? 39 yes. 35 39 maybe yeah. yeah i think that's why we can all Relate. Totally. Right? I mean, yeah. it's all similar feelings. We all know what it's like to feel alone. Mm -hmm. um, well, I mean, if we want to really talk about it, the bedevilments on page 52 of that book mm -hmm. describe me to a, a, a T. And I'm not a, I can't quote stuff from memory, but I'm sure that it has something to do with uh, prey to misery and depression mm -hmm. and, and uh, yeah. couldn't maintain any decent personal relationships and so on and so on. I believe that there was eight examples on that page. I can't remember, but yeah, yeah. you're probably right. I'm terrible yeah. at quoting it too. Yeah, I just don't have the memory yeah. for it anymore. Yeah. Getting a little older now, David. Well, and you know what, man? Like the, it, it does have a role what we took and how much we took. Mm. Like they, you know that um, the brain doesn't fully re react perfectly right mm. afterwards. I mean, no. there's got to be a downside. To all the stuff we did. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. But at the time, yep. so back to that 10-year-old boy who mm. was getting beat up at home and at school and felt empty and oh, lonely yeah. and afraid all the time, now all of a sudden I didn't feel that way. Yeah. Now what happens? Well, alcohol becomes the solution to that problem. And it worked. And it worked for a very long time. Yeah. 
um, you know, I, I looked at when I did that history, I also recognized, and th this is this is only four years ago. I am mm -hmm. 48 years old, and I'm talking about a 10-year-old boy. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize it until 40 years later, or yeah. 38 years later, that uh, I had also immediately started thinking about the next time we were going to go camping, mm -hmm. the next time, you know, that I was going to be able to have a drink yeah. and hang out with these guys and have them like me like mm -hmm. I was getting, you know, and... And, and honestly, I was also planning who I would bring next time. Someone I could get away with that mm -hmm. with. You know, someone that wouldn't run to their parents and tell them and yeah. kibosh the whole thing. So I immediately became manipulative and dishonest as well. Isn't that crazy? It's wild. <laughs> it's wild. Like one, one drop of alcohol for us, hey? Like, it yeah. doesn't have to be a lot. No. Yeah. It's immediate. Jeez. And you, you know what? Fast forward that to my first year of recovery. Mm -hmm. And I mean real recovery, because I've been trying this thing since I was 17, Yeah, off and on. Stayed away for many years at, at a time, but uh, and then gone, you know, coming back every couple days kind yeah. of thing for a couple of years, right? Yeah. But fast forward that to many, many years later, and, and I'm in my, my first year of recovery, and I go to a movie with my wife and two friends, and they're all having a glass of wine, and he's having a beer, and I thought, you know, very innocently, I'm going to have one of these special coffees because I wasn't a special coffee kind of guy, oh, yeah. right? I didn't, yeah. It didn't clue in. I just saw caramel this and chocolate mm -hmm. that. And I'm like, I'm going to have one of those, you know, even though it's 10 bucks at the theater, right? Mm -hmm. The VIP, that was, you know, oh, yeah. when they were first coming out or whatever. <clears throat> and so I took one, one sip of that special coffee. Mm -hmm. And yes, I swallowed it. Yeah. Um, and I realized it was alcohol. Mm -hmm. And I immediately turned to my wife and said, sweetheart, can you taste this? I'm pretty sure there's alcohol in it. Mm -hmm. And she's like, oh, yeah, there is. And I'm like, okay, let's, let's get mm -hmm. another. Let's get something else then. Yeah. But honestly, mm -hmm. in my head, well, I could drink the rest of this. Yeah. Nobody's looking. Yeah. It's crazy how quickly that happens. Yeah, it's it's insane. And that has not changed from ten years old. Yeah, to forty five years old. And how insane right? is that? That's insane. Yeah, it's I, absolutely dude, you give me insane. Goosebumps because it's like my story, right? It's like this. <laughs> there's no. It doesn't ever stop. Mm. It just keeps getting worse and worse. Absolutely. Right? Like oh, Jesus. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I I progressed after that. You know, yeah, we drank and and uh, you know. In small town Red Deer at the time, you know, it was easy for a 14-year-old boy to go down to the Park Hotel or the Windsor and, and buy some dope off a, off a guy's, uh, yeah. you know, and that was a whole transition as well. I, I, you know, here's a funny thing. I, I had never smoked uh, dope, but some of my brother's friends came by. Mom was gone, you know, and uh, they tried to get my brother to buy some hash. Mm -hmm. <laughs> So I, I didn't want my brother to do drugs. Yeah. You know, I, I was trying to look out for him, but I also had this ego, this mm -hmm. arrogance about me. Another defective character, actually mm -hmm. one of my most glaring, uh, mm -hmm. I learned later in life. But, uh, oh, that's not a gram, I said. Don't buy that crap, trying to be the tough guy and mm -hmm. play the role. But inside, little boy scared that his brother's going to try drugs. Yeah. And the guys left and they went downtown to sell their stuff, but they mm -hmm. came back. And they said, well, we sold what we need to sell, so let's just get high. We'll do it with mm -hmm. you for free. Well, now I'm stuck. You know, mm -hmm. I just played the big role, right? Yeah. And uh, 
So yeah, it was my first try. And just like the booze, I fell in love with it. Yeah. I enjoyed the feeling and it just got worse. And I mean, that just graduated, you know, graduated through the years, progressed, I prefer, mm-hmm. um, progressed into just harsher drugs and more use. And and uh, it, uh, it progressed into a lot of, a lot of bad times in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, getting kicked out of school all the time. I mean, like I told you at grade 10, you know, I decided I wasn't going to get beat up anymore. Mm-hmm. And I, so, you know, in true alcoholic or addict form, <laughs> I mean, I went the exact polar opposite and I became the bully, mm-hmm. right? And I started hanging out with people that were the bullies. You know, and uh, and that held true for pretty much the rest of, of my life, which landed me in jail, mm-hmm. um, which, by the way, I want to say uh, that I was fully pardoned many, many years ago. Right on. Um, but yeah, yeah, that was a blessing for sure. Uh, long before I sobered up yeah. and, and got a career. But I had to learn, my point is I had to learn a lot of lessons the hard way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I got out of jail and I started using again, uh, I'll tell you, I saw a friend, you know, go down. And, and that wasn't abnormal. I'd seen that many times. Yeah. Uh, but this time, it it affected me. Mm-hmm. It affected me deeply. So I, I called my mom up and I said, hey, listen, I am... I'm doing the same stuff that I've always done. Mm. And I just don't want to live this life anymore. But I need a hand up. Now, my mom had finally, you know, a couple of years before that, uh, learned to provide tough love, so to speak. Um, She she became less of a enabler. Mm. And uh, she wouldn't send money anymore, you know, and so on and so on. And... uh, so she said, I'm going to have to call you back. I'm going to, I'm going to think about this. I'm gonna, I'll call you back in a couple minutes. And they were probably the longest couple minutes of my life. And uh, she did call back and she decided she was going to send me a plane ticket. Mm-hmm. So I did move to Calgary. Yeah, back, this was in BC. I don't think I ever mentioned that I'd moved out there and lived with an aunt and uncle, all this and that. Like I was a problem child, right? Yeah. So I moved back to Calgary. I mean, all these geographical cures are a part of the game as well, right? Yeah. But unfortunately, David, everywhere I go, it's the old cliche, yeah. there I am. There you are. I just uh, ended up meeting the same types of people, that, you know, and that's, that was my groove. Yeah. And uh, like you say, it only got worse and worse and worse. So um, when I moved, and I'd been going to meetings off and on, I even had one point of sobriety of a few years, but I never actually even cracked the big book of Alcoholics mm-hmm. Anonymous. Uh, am I supposed to say that? I don't think mm-hmm. I'm supposed to say that. Yeah, you didn't crack the book. I mean, it's okay to yeah. name the book. Yeah. Okay. Because who knows? There might be people out there who don't even know there's a book. Yeah. Okay. Good deal. Yeah. I I don't uh, press radio and films. You know what I mean? I'm, yep. I uh, trying to keep it real, but uh, yeah, I've never cracked the book anyway. That book uh, in several fellowships that works in several fellowships mm-hmm. that got me through the steps eventually in my yeah. life. But uh, in that few years of sobriety, and that was out in Abbotsford, B.C., 
I had never even cracked a book. I didn't get a sponsor. I didn't. Basically, I chased a bunch of girls around, went to sober dances, and and uh, you know had a good time. And Sounds like my first four years, actually. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I know. Our story is really similar. Aren't I got they? away with it for way too long without doing the work. Yeah. 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 God grace, I didn't pick up. But mm. yeah. sorry, Meg. No, not at all. I. Uh, so yeah, I obviously didn't. I didn't yeah. stay sober and uh, more problems. So when I came back to Calgary, I decided uh, that I just had a self-esteem problem. Mm. So you may remember Fred in that book. Yeah. Well, thanks for uh, what you've told me about myself, gentlemen. I think it's great, (laughs) but I'm probably nowhere near as bad as you. So I think I've got it from here. And that's basically- Thanks for the info, gotta go. (laughs) Yeah, got to go. But that's pretty much what I did. I, mm-hmm. I said, you know what? Instead, I'm, I don't need that program. That never worked for me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it didn't because I didn't do any of the work. But uh, oddly enough, my, my ego and my arrogance and, and the, uh, you know, the delusion, the yeah. delusion that it could be different for me, that yeah. I was strong enough to be able to figure this out on my mm-hmm. own. I told myself that I had a self-esteem issue and all I needed to do was set some goals. Yeah. And every time I achieved a goal, I would gain more self-esteem and I would set some more. And I did that. I yep. did that. I came back to Calgary. I, I, I don't know if some of you young folk listening to this will remember this, but I opened the yellow pages. <laughs> to uh... Uh, That's a phone book for everyone out there. That's a phone book. <laughs> a giant phone book with businesses in it. Police used to use it as a buffer when they hit they... you with their nightstick <laughs> so you wouldn't bruise. <laughs> Sorry, not police here, though. Somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And maybe an occasional father would actually hit you with that book because it was that big. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I opened the yellow pages up to contracting, and I started at A and ended up getting a job at California Concrete. So, <laughs> yeah, as you know, I probably went through a few pages before I got there, but I got there. I went back to college. I had exceptional wow. grades. I got... Uh, and I got uh, awards for my grades mm-hmm. in English. In, uh, it, was, it, was, it used to be called Alberta Vocational College. It's now Bull Valley, I believe. Yeah. But I went back to do my upgrading. Uh, and that did well. I started feeling really great about myself. I met my future wife in college. Oh, nice. We started dating, ended up moving in together. It was wonderful. She ended up being pregnant. We ended up getting married, buying a home. I got a career in restoration as a project manager. I excelled at that. Mm-hmm. Um, I advanced my career. And at some point, you know, I thought that this was what I was supposed to be doing. I thought I had it beat. And I, I think that what helped it along for so long, looking back now, knowing what I think I know now, yeah. um, I did a lot of charity work as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was constantly doing runs and organizing runs for cancer and writing songs and being involved in, in events for diabetes and juvenile mm-hmm. diabetes. And, and I was always on the student council in my kids' schools. Yeah. And I was a director for, you know, mm-hmm. the Minima, <laughs> I can't speak, Minipore Lake Association. Yeah. You know, I did that stuff. I volunteered mm-hmm. my time and looking at my life today and how, good I feel mm-hmm. um, and the gifts that I have today all come from helping others yeah so I think that maybe 
the fact that I was doing that then mm-hmm. maybe kept the wolves at bay a I, little bit longer. Can you I, relate? Yeah, yeah, I could believe that for yeah. sure. Um, because being having that purpose, right? That deep sense of purpose, it's enough to keep some things away. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, for a while, anyway, I would fall off the rails once in a <laughs> totally. while, right? I'd be on yeah. a guy's trip with clients or whatever, mm-hmm. golfing in radium, and and it would be a mess, right? Yeah. But there was no one around to see it, right? Mm-hmm. My my wife didn't have to see me slobbering drunk, right? Yeah. And uh, you know, once in a while, she'd come into a bathroom at a party and see me leaned up against a, mm-hmm. you know, up up against the wall. She'd be like, "Are you all right?" and Oh yeah, somebody just gave me a, you know, a Percocet or Dilaudid or whatever mm-hmm. it was, right? And and she, I know that flags were going off for her, yeah. but she didn't know. Like she's yeah. not an addict, my wife, yeah. so she doesn't recognize this stuff. Yeah, but eventually it mm-hmm. caught up, and and I had some neck and back problems, and I was prescribed codeine. Yeah, and uh, you know what that. That went as it should have for a little while. Mm-hmm. You know, I took it as prescribed yeah. and and nothing really fell apart. But I, I'll, again, back to that 10-year-old feeling mm-hmm. of, wow, I remember taking more than I was supposed to the first time and I was standing in Superstore, you know, and that that warm feeling, I used to call it the, vel- the velvet sledgehammer came mm-hmm. over me and I that was the beginning to the end for me. Yeah. Um, I, I literally within a month, I was calling my doctor mm-hmm. to try and get more drugs yeah. uh, to a point like bugging her to a point where the nurse had to call and say, yeah, you need to lose this number. Yeah. You can no longer call here. But that being said, I was being prescribed a ridiculous amount of, of mm. opiates. It was, it was wild. It still is kind of, yeah. That people still get prescribed a lot. Yeah, it scares me. Yeah. I don't want to get too political no, here. No, for but, sure, man, for but sure. But that stuff is is yeah. going on, and I don't agree with it at all. Because you um, know how hard it is, man. It's very difficult, especially when you start becoming physically dependent on this yeah. stuff. Uh, it changes a person, right? Of course. Now, you talk... You, you make a normal person physically dependent on a drug. It's yeah. difficult. Yeah. You do that to an addict, and I have to say, my doctor had no idea I was an addict. Yeah, of course. so because yeah. I certainly never shared that information with her. That I can relate to too. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, and then one day it, it was far too much, and I think she got scared. Yeah, and she cut me off. Boom! Sorry, no more. Yeah. Well, that started the trips to the meta centers mm-hmm. and emergency rooms to try and get these prescriptions yeah. and eventually I was buying them off the streets yeah. right and the you know it was a lot easier to buy stronger stronger mm-hmm. stuff right and uh, anyhow I'm talking way too much about the drug use it's really not important what what really well, it does it does show like so when I when we because I know where you're coming from like when you were saying that in the beginning right like mm-hmm. we don't want to go too much into that and and the only reason I even say anything man is because when we're outside of our rooms where we go, mm. I think people need to hear it okay. because they don't understand. Mm. Like it's hard for a non-addict to understand how we use, right? Or how sure. we drink because we look insane. Yeah. You know, and try, and trying to how I look at it is, yeah, we can absolutely go off on these drunk logs, we can do all that stuff, which is not helpful. No. But I think it is helpful to outline how we became what we became. 
right? Yeah. And yeah. part of that, we can't just skip over that because it's important to know that when we stop getting our meds from our doctor, we started going everywhere. Yeah. Because that's what abnormal users do, sure. right? We, like, I'm going to use this in term generally. It's not, I'm not trying to paint anybody with a brush, but normies who aren't addicts is what I'm getting at. Mm -hmm. They have a, if a doctor says, yeah, I'm not going to prescribe you any more of this, they say, okay. <laughs> right? Yeah. And I couldn't possibly imagine saying, okay. No. <laughs> right? That's not in our vocabulary. No. When someone says no. So I think, in my mind, and I'm, I absolutely can be wrong, um, I think it's important. Okay. Right? But that's just my opinion. No, fair enough. And, yeah, and I know what you mean. You're not trying to go off in a drunk log, and I don't, I don't hear that, though. Okay, good. Yeah. Thank you very yeah, much. You're welcome. Um, well, then I may as well finish the, the full rotation then because we're almost there. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I was full on doing oxys, uh, you know, daily mm -hmm. and not, not a small amount. They're expensive. I made a lot of money. Mm -hmm. You know, I was, I was one of the top project managers in Western Canada. I eventually was, was a Western regional general manager for a national contracting company out of Ontario. Yeah. Uh, and I made a lot of money. And uh, I was spending almost twice that on on drugs, mm -hmm. and and uh, and there were the times, like you know, I, I think about all the times where I'd have a family holiday where I'd be taking my daughters and my wife, and we'd be going with friends and their kids out to Hornby Island, mm -hmm. and I'd have to try and stack up and and put away enough, you know, to to make sure that I was okay by the end of the trip. And guess mm -hmm. what? I was never okay at the end yeah. of the trip. Yeah. You know, dad was always sick mm -hmm. the last few days of our trip, yeah. right? Why? Because I overdid it a few times. Yeah. You know, I, I just can't help myself. Yeah. I mean, I'm talking even even trips to Mexico, putting myself at risk, putting my family at risk by hiding hiding oxys in, in packs of Tic Tacs and stuff mm -hmm. like that. You know, I so easily could have been yeah like arrested in a really bad way, mm -hmm. right? Um, fortunately, you know, yeah. some, God was looking out for me. I mm -hmm. hope nobody here minds me saying God because I didn't think so, but, yeah. uh, you know, that's, we'll allow it. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Cause that's truly what saved my life yeah. is, is finding a relationship with God. Mm -hmm. <laughs> People say, as I understand him, I prefer to say, as I absolutely don't understand him. That's how that's how I think about it too. Yeah. Now I used to think I knew, and now I got nothing. No clue. No <laughs> clue. No idea. All I know is it works. Whatever yeah. it is, it's working in my life. Yeah. You know, and uh, so yeah, I just keep drawing closer and closer to mm -hmm. that. You know, as as best I can. So yeah, I I spent a couple of years in and out. I was back into meetings because mm -hmm. I was so broken, and uh, and I had a guy that. At the time, I didn't even like, but he was the only guy I knew that went to any kind of fellowship. Yeah, and so he he agreed to take me. I couldn't believe it. And uh, yeah, I remember sitting in those rooms, bawling my eyes out. I must have been like 180 pounds, soaking wet, mm. you know, just sick. And uh, you know, I spent a couple years just in and out, in and out, in and out, like. Literally every couple days, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. Sometimes it was tomorrow. I'm coming back. Tomorrow, I'm coming back. Yeah. It got to a point where people, a lot of people, not all, thank God, but not all, but 
a lot of people just quit talking to me yeah. after the meeting. Yeah. That's that guy. He yeah. He doesn't really want this. That's a sh- and that's to me I I don't mean to put anybody out or anything, but that's a shame to me. It it really is. Whenever I see it it's a shame, right? I had a guy come up. Yeah. I was so sick one time. And I was shaking, and I, but I was there in a meeting, and I had this big ex-football player guy take me aside at the end of the meeting, put his arm around me, and say, "Bud, you're you're really rough. Maybe you should not be at a meeting. You should just go, you know, try and get a little healthier for the next few days before you come back." Really? Yeah. Can you believe that? No, I can't. I mean, could've, I I do. Could have killed me. Yeah. Could have killed me. Man, that's a death sentence, man. Right? Yeah. I, I, uh, I've forgiven that now, yeah. but I had resentments on that for a long time. I bet you did. Fortunately, fortunately I didn't listen. Yep. Fortunately, I kept listening to guys you yep. know, that said, keep coming back, Gordy, we care about you. Yeah. Even though I may or may not have believed it at the yep. time, I kept coming back. And I kept saying, I'm coming back. Mm-hmm. And I kept being, you know, but I went through crazy stuff, right? Like I had been on the methadone program, mm-hmm. but then I finished the methadone program and I had the pharmacist tell me, oh, I can't even charge you for this last dose, Gord. There's really no methadone in it. He's like, and I got to tell you, you're one of three people that have actually finished this program. Mm-hmm. I'd love to bend your ear, buy a lunch one day and find out how you did it. And I walked out of there thinking, I finished the methadone program. Within a day or two, I was back on the oxys. <laughs> you could only be us, people like us, laughing at that, eh? Right? I mean, because <laughs> it's so sad. Yeah, the people that are normal, you're listening to this podcast right now, and you're like, this guy is nuts. Yeah, and they're both laughing. And the yeah. one guy's supposed to be a social worker, and he's just like, that's awesome. <laughs> Because it's just how we are, man. It's just the disease of, it of the addiction, disease. right? It's yeah. uh, it, it's unrelenting. Mm-hmm. It's unrelenting. Yeah. It's a delusion. Like page 30, uh, more about alcoholism. First page of that chapter. Oh, One of my favorite chapters and definitely the f- favorite intros. It's my favorite page of the yeah. entire book. And it talks about we we don't want to be like other people. We or we don't want to be different. Mm-hmm. Uh, we alcoholics uh, don't like to be different than than other people. Mm-hmm. Um, that it, that it goes on to say um, that we tried to prove that we were the same uh, right. with countless vain attempts. You know to yep. think to show that we were an alcoholic. And then there's this giant paragraph of vain attempts. Yeah. Right. Yep. Then it goes on to say we learned. We had to concede to our innermost mm. selves that we were alcoholic and that this is the first step in recovery, yeah. right? And uh, I always talk to my guys now, my sponsees, mm-hmm. about this, especially because I, I don't know, God has has, uh, has shown me a path a, a, and I work with a mm-hmm. lot of retreads that were just like me, guys yeah. that are in and out and in and out yeah. and in and out. And, and that's great because I'm able to let them know I'm never leaving you. Mm-hmm. I am never not going to be here. All you have to do is want it, mm-hmm. and I'll always be here, and yeah. that's wonderful. But I get to talk to them about page 30, and, and I say, yeah. you know, and, and my friend Billy actually pointed this out because I used to love that we can see to our innermost selves because mm-hmm. to me that's completely getting honest with me yeah. is the first step. But a big part of that is we learned. Mm-hmm. 
right? And when I, I asked him what he meant by that, he explained. Well, yeah, we learned because in a couple sentences before that, mm -hmm. we learned by countless vain attempts yeah, yeah. to prove that we were different, right? Mm -hmm. So, and then it goes on to say that the delusion that somehow or maybe now uh, we are different has to be smashed. Mm -hmm. And uh, I totally had to smash yeah. that idea that, that someday, and that's the toughest part, right? Like a lot of people don't like this and I say it in meetings sometimes and I say it to all my sponsees, right now, I need you to understand that this is a lifetime thing. Mm -hmm. Like you need to understand that the delusion that someday in your life you're going to be different and this yeah. is all going to be okay again is gone. That time mm -hmm. is over. And if you don't grasp the depth of that, yeah. I may not be able to help you. I will continue to try, mm -hmm. but it may not work for you. Because they may not be able to get it, right, without that. Yeah. And just hammer that mm -hmm. home because I needed that. Yeah. And uh, I, all, you know, I soft shoot after and I say, listen... It's not like we have to achieve it Instantly. now. Yeah, yeah. That's where the one day at a time slogan comes mm -hmm. from. We do this today, right mm -hmm. now. We try and be here in this moment right now. But if you don't have a gut, you know, a gut mm -hmm. sort of understanding that you've spent your tokens, buddy. Yeah. You know, then you may yeah. not be okay. Well, and, and that I think is the different chord, right? Yeah. The difference is when... When we use words like concede to our innermost selves, right? That we are not like others in this, in this respect. Like that's a depth to concession. And mm. I believe that that is legitimately one of the main reasons why not everybody can do it. Right. Yeah. Is because sometimes conceding is too late, right? Maybe they're already dead. Yeah. Right? Or maybe they're already to a point where conceding has long gone because they've already acknowledged it but they've surrendered to it, right? Mm -hmm. There's so many things that go, go into that to keep us here, right? Yeah. Because I, I, I work with lots of people too, and, and the idea of trying to transmit to someone how, what it means to conceive, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because how do, how do you tell someone, li literally, without my knowledge, I surrender to this whole fucking thing? I give up. Exactly. Yeah. Without my knowledge, I wasn't consciously giving up. But I, I didn't. I didn't even have the ability to consciously lie anymore. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. that's how fucking broken we are. Yes. And if and I think I, I just I keep always go back to that. Like, how do we get someone to understand and concede to themselves? Right. Yeah. And we can't. I can't. Yeah, we can't. They have to get there. And I have to believe that that's God. Yeah. Totally. You know, yeah. He's everything or nothing. Yeah. Right. And that includes every single person that I today work with, mm -hmm. the people that worked with me. Yeah. You know, I wasn't ready when I wasn't ready. Mm -hmm. God had a different plan for me. Yeah. Right. And I now am able to work with people mm -hmm. because of that plan. Exactly. Certain people are drawn to me mm -hmm. that may not be drawn to you, that may not be drawn to him. Yeah. Because that was God's plan. Yeah. And I had to suffer what I suffered mm -hmm. to be able to possibly, possibly help those people yeah. on God's behalf. Yeah. Right? Or as an agent of God. Yeah. I, I kind of like that. Agent Double O Gord. I do too. Eh? Like, that's pretty <laughs> sweet. Like Agent Double O Gord. I love it. But I, th I think you're right. Like the, the whole purpose, like why, like we, 
I've had this conversation with someone about survivor's guilt. We just had a, we were talking about it this week, right? I think it was one of our podcasts and we were talking about it and having been, being a survivor of it, like Mm -hmm. yourself, of course there's survivor's guilt when people don't make it hundred percent. So when I, when we think, when I think about that, I always think of, okay, well, I don't deserve to be here, but I'm here. So while I'm here, now that I've been given this fucking chance, which I don't deserve, right? I'm going to actually do everything I can for other people while I'm here because I don't see any other reason to be here still, right? And that's God-given. Whatever God looks like, that's God-given, right? Is that's, that That's grace. Yeah, that's that yeah. grace, right? We were talking yeah. about that the other day too. And I'm like, I don't even believe in the traditional sense of grace, but I feel that grace. I feel it too. Right? Every like, single day. Yeah. And that's what that I think that's what we're what you extend when you're simply there for people, even if they don't get it, yeah. right? Because those people who don't get it, Gord, they need somebody there too. Well, here's the trick, right? David. You hear, you know, people talk about why are the success rates so, so low today? Yeah. Right? Whereas in the 30s and 40s, mm-hmm. you know, they had such a high success success rate. Yeah. Well, I challenge anyone that says that to this. Uh, who am I to judge what success is? Exactly. Maybe the fact that I'm sitting here reading a chapter or maybe that guy hangs in for two chapters mm-hmm. or three and then disappears. Who am I to know that maybe two years from then, mm-hmm. that guy's sitting there with a 45 in his mouth yeah. and thinks about that time I read that chapter with him, mm-hmm. sets that gun down on the table... Yeah. And says, I need to call someone for help. Mm. With, whether it's me or not. It, it whether be, it's yeah. anyone. That yeah. one guy wanted to help me. Yeah. That was enough for him to put that gun down on the mm. table and call someone for help. Yep. Isn't that success? Of course. And the fact that you know that those examples are the real deal. <laughs> because that's what happens to us. Yeah, man. Right? And yeah. so that's, that's 100% legitimate. I believe that yeah. wholeheartedly. I don't think the success rate is just about sobriety. No. Right, like the, the the physical sobriety, the success mm. rate goes far beyond that. Like far beyond. I it. mean, if we're only going to base it on who can stay sober, like, and we, I went through this problem when I worked with a different treatment center, and I won't say the name of it, but I had the pr- a problem with it just because of um, my difficulty saying, well, but that's not a failure, right? Like, it's not even a failure if we die, because let's be honest, every alcoholic. If, if we have this term alcoholic and we are this thing that I am, I believe I am, right? Um, isn't my whole purpose then to just drink myself to death? So is that not success for an alcoholic? So like, how do we gauge? <laughs> yeah. Because I've it's really hard for way. an alcoholic not to drink, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, if it was easy, we would all quit. And then we would all eventually hopefully get better. Some of us would just be sober horse thieves, right? Because sure. that's what we like to do. Um, but the idea of only one kind of success goes along with only one kind of treatment, right? Yeah. And we have to look at those things. And we, the only reason we can't quantify it is because we never know. We don't usually hear from that guy two years down the road, unless you might, right? You might hear from him. But we don't necessarily have to hear from him for him to be okay, right? Here's the trick in recognizing that I don't need to quantify it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, this is just me and how I've evolved. And I know that you're a very spiritual guy, which I, that's why when you messaged me to come and do this with you, 
I got to tell you, I, I, that made me feel so great because oh, I man. admire you, David. Um, oh, thank you, Gordon. No, for sure. I, uh, someone I've always looked up to. Hmm. Thank you. And, uh, and I, so I know you understand what I'm saying here. It's all on God's time. Mm -hmm. And, and mm -hmm. I am not even allowed or supposed to be judging success is not my role yeah it's not my role my yeah. role is to be helpful mm -hmm. be effective to god and my fellows in the here and now and i don't yeah. just mean alcoholics and, and yeah. addicts anymore yeah. in the beginning that's all i really could be helpful to yeah. and i was terrible at it but i kept trying yeah well i thought i was terrible yeah, yeah i Thank you, you saw what that. I was going to say. I there. saw, yeah, I saw the nudge there. <laughs> yeah, back to success. Who am I yeah. to judge, right? Yeah. But I was doing it, mm -hmm. and uh, and anyhow, as we moved, as we moved forward and, and grew, as I grew, you know, I I became, I was able to work on my defects of character that the you know the fear-based arrogance and ego and and the dishonesty and the manipulation and the big one by the way self-pity oh it's i don't know where i you know what four or five there years must... ago if you'd have told me i was feeling sorry for myself i'd have wanted to punch you in the head <laughs> today i realize that happens a lot mm -hmm. and it's masked <laughs> in many different behaviors yeah. you know um anger Mm -hmm. Well, that guy's not going to pay his bill. I can't believe it. Mm -hmm. My sponsor just has to say to me, sure, grateful I have a job today. Mm -hmm. Sounds like it's pretty small problems. And then I'm able to, God mm -hmm. told, shows me through him yeah. that I'm feeling sorry for myself, right? Mm -hmm. So as I've worked on these defects of character and as I've really, the glaring one was the ego and mm -hmm. arrogance, right? And that was all insecurity, by the way, that fear. But... Uh, I've, I've, I've even gone overboard that way with trying to be too humble. Mm -hmm. So to a point where I'm not able to accept compliments or I don't want people to talk about the nice things that I do. Mm -hmm. Right. And now I've realized, well, but I need to let them have their truths and I can love myself enough yeah. today to accept a compliment and, yeah. and I've grown into that. And what has happened is I've automatically become more effective to mm -hmm. everyone in my life. Yeah not just alcoholics and addicts. I now uh, am back in the game, uh, Western Canada's general manager for, mm -hmm. for Backley Construction, which is out of Ontario. And they've treated me really well. And uh, here's a neat thing to witness, is the people that work under me in this office here in Calgary all think I'm a good guy. Wow. They send me messages. <laughs> Yeah, like, this is crazy, man. Yeah. Trust me, you go years back to places, international firms I worked at, people hated me. Mm. And and in my office, I mean, I was always top sales guy here and top sales guy there, and all my clients loved me, and, mm. and that was great, but I'd be like a whirlwind, you know, like that tornado rolling into the lives of others. I'd roll into the office at 11 o'clock in the morning, and... Uh, bark a bunch of orders and be a dick and mm -hmm. and i'd roar back out and i'd be back in the bar at two in the afternoon you know and and the people i worked with hated me mm -hmm. everyone around outside of them thought i was okay you yeah. know because i was partying with them i was doing the job right mm -hmm. 
But the people that were closer to me in my office couldn't stand me. Now I get messages from people in my office saying, thank you so much for taking the time to try and teach me these things. No one ever has done that here before. You know, um, thanks so much for showing me how to do that the other day. I had no idea and I was a little embarrassed to ask. I sure appreciated your time. Yeah. You know, uh, and I, I'm not saying this to, to build myself up or make myself look good. What I'm saying to you is this is shocking to me. Mm-hmm. It's, it's happened automatically. Yeah. My wife and I have a wonderful relationship mm-hmm. today. We've been married for 22 years and she knows she can count on me. My yeah. daughter's. They're, you know, 21 and 20, and they know that dad's a quiet mm-hmm. a quiet voice or a soft shoulder or, a, you know, always mm-hmm. open ear to listen. And, uh, you know, mom and my brother, my God. I, I was doing this book study um, with a group of guys on a book called Dark Side of the Light Chasers, uh, authored by Debbie Ford. Mm-hmm. Yeah, phenomenal little... Uh, little voyage into yourself if you if you're a little harsh at times but usually a voyage inwards is harsh oh it's hard yeah (laughs) Yeah. it's it's really hard and uh, you know we were doing this and and uh one of my one of my exercises when we were doing homework when the group would disband and we had homework to do every week and one of them was i had to phone several people and ask several people what they still dislike about me today. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's not easy to do. No. Uh, for either party. Yeah. You know, when I'm asking my mother, what don't you like about me today? Yeah. That made her feel really uncomfortable. And I oh, didn't man. want to do that. I, I absolutely love my mom. And, yeah. and I did not want to make her feel uncomfortable. So I flamboyantly said this is not a big deal like i just really this is about me uh, i'm not yeah. going to hold any hard feelings like mm-hmm. i really want to well you sometimes you take too long to pay back money okay thanks mom i yeah. appreciate that um and and i did because for three years in recovery i could barely rub two nickels together yeah. right so but i appreciated her honesty mm-hmm. my brother who four years ago could have given you Pages and pages of lists. Yeah, said Gord. I I literally cannot think of a single thing that I don't like about mm. you, man. I I can't believe the change I see in you. You are a completely different human being today, mm. and I'd love to give you what you need right now. Mm. But there is nothing that I don't like about you, my brother. I love yeah. you. That's the stuff, man. Yeah, like man. that's the life I live today, mm. and it all stems from. The 12, the 12 steps. Yeah. I mean, specifically, steps four, five, six, mm-hmm. seven, eight, and nine. And then, you know, learning how to do four through nine yeah. for the rest of my life. And yeah. then learning that I can be closer to God and learning that I can be effective to other alcoholics and addicts. And eventually, that turns into me just becoming this human being that wants to be. I want to be more of the likeness of my creator. I want to help people mm-hmm. naturally. Do you know? I do. It's yeah. no, I, it boggles I, my mind, David. Isn't I, it? Isn't it? I don't weird? know when it happened. Yeah, like isn't it weird how this how this shit works? Like the, it's almost like you know addiction and alcoholism is very insidious. It's you know it's always at work, but so is recovery. The recovery principles are simply. It's kind of like when someone says, "Well, Dave, like." I thought God was love. I'm like, 
Yeah, sure. But God's also indifference. God's also, like if we think about this universe that we live in, everything is in conflict. So yeah. we're not the only ones, right? Mm-hmm. Like, but of course we have this very egocentric, this is all about me yeah. business, right? Even though we're literally a speck of dust in a giant bunch of dust in the middle of space. Right? I love that you just said that. Yeah, I, I just, I, it's like we're, we're not, but we come in with this, I came in with an attitude, right? Like I was one of God's chosen people. I must have been, even though I didn't really believe in God. And if he was real, he hated me. That's how I felt. But I also felt like I was chosen. Imagine the contradiction in this fucking coconut when <laughs> trying to like figure out, I don't even know if there is God or what God. And then all of a sudden I'm sober for a year. And then I'm like, wait a second. I couldn't get sober before. Yeah. And then I'm like, people are saying, well, no, my first couple of years, I was a dick still. I was still trying to figure things out. Right. Sure. I was just so wrapped up in the illness. I wasn't drinking, but I wasn't like recovering. I guess it's the best way I could put it. I was still chasing the tail for as long as I could. And, uh, but anyway, like as time went on, something just changed that psychic change, right? Complete. It it wasn't like I went to a switch and purposely turned it on. It was just this weird getting out of the way allowed for the psychic shift. Isn't that something? Yeah. Getting out of the way. And and today that's what, that's what I work on every day, all day. It's me just too. getting out of the way now, right? Because mm-hmm. recovery taught me that. The 12 steps, the the therapy I went to, all these things together. But I'll be honest, mostly it's the fellowship. Yeah. It was the people around me. Because, you know, you can see people who are, even if they're recovering different than me, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Because we're all different. Right. right? Because like you mentioned it, like not, not everybody's going to learn from me. And that is so wonderful. I think it's wonderful because it frees me up to work with people who might learn from me. Yeah. That way, people who learn from Gord or learn from Darcy or whoever else can go and and learn the way they need to, yeah. you know? And and so anyway, I just think, man, this, the process of recovery and being clean and sober is, it's unbelievable what, what happens. Yeah, it really is. Human, right? When you were talking about being a speck of dust in dust, in other mm. dust, right? The, the level of how insignificant mm-hmm. I am compared to what I thought I was. Well, right. Like I was the be all end all. And mm-hmm. when I walked into a room, everyone should be looking at me. Yeah. Um, I was sitting in rush hour traffic one day mm-hmm. and it just hit me. I looked around at literally hundreds of cars around mm-hmm. me and it came crushing down on me that not a single one of those people that I'm surrounded by, had any clue who I was, mm-hmm. where I was going, what I was up to, what I was about, yeah. and nor did they care. Yeah. Which started a whole sort of branch, mm-hmm. you know, sort of tour off this way into how do I affect change mm-hmm. in this world? I've struggled with that. Mm-hmm. I I want to affect change. I think there are a lot of things wrong in this mm-hmm. world. Oh yeah. But again, there I am playing God because mm-hmm. how do I know it's wrong? Yeah. Or what the solution needs to be. Certainly. Yeah. I don't know what the solution needs to be. Yeah. Same here. Um, however, I see things that I don't like. Mm-hmm. Let's let's put it that way. Um. I value love. Mm-hmm. I value 
a caring for others. I can see it in your family pictures, man. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, not at all. But those, I value those things. Yeah. I not just family either. Like mm. my coworkers, my yeah. my clients. I I value them. Mm. You know, I read a I read a quote by um, Mahatma Gandhi, and you wouldn't think that Gandhi would have a quote about customer service, but he mm. does. And it's about, it's about this man has, don't get upset with the man for wanting something difficult. I mean, mm. this guy is blessing us with, with their business. Mm. He's blessing us with the opportunity to work for them, right? Yeah. It was bigger than that, but again, yeah. can't remember that stuff very Gandhi well. Gandhi had a lot of good stuff, man. Yeah. A lot of good stuff. But... You know, it, it made me it made me think, you know, and, and I thought, how can I affect change? And I prayed and I meditated a lot about that. Yeah. And and it just came to me slowly and over time. Uh, somewhat of a spiritual awakening in itself, mm-hmm. I guess, or yeah. experience that uh, I can only affect change in my little circle. Mm-hmm. Right? So like we were saying my wife and my kids, mm-hmm. my mom and my dad, my brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. It branches out to, you know, the people that I work with and for, Yeah, right? It also branches out to the people like, say, in Tim Horton's drive-thru. Mm-hmm. I need to be kind. Yeah, I need to thank them and let them know to have mm-hmm. a nice day. I need open doors for people. Yeah, All of these things are my way of hopefully mm-hmm. affecting positive change in the world, this big, big world, yeah. and I'm this little speck in the middle of it, mm-hmm. and hopefully that just butterflies out. Yeah, You know, that, that lady at Tim Hortons who was having a crap day before yeah. I got there, I smiled at her, I said, thank you so much, I really appreciate you, I want you to have a great day, mm. and she smiles, and maybe the next 10 customers that she serves, she's nice to, Yeah, and they go out and be nice to people, mm-hmm. you know, like that's... That's as deep as I can get with that. You know, yeah. I just need to know that I need to be constantly working on character building in every moment I can. Yeah. Like being right here right now with you and Darcy, mm. you know, being in this moment. Yeah. We're feeding off each other. Oh yeah. Because we're both in this moment right yeah. now. We're invested. Yeah. I'm not thinking about, you know, where I'm going after this. Mm. I don't know. I don't care right yeah. now. I'm yeah. having a really good conversation with Dude, a couple too, great man. guys. It's yeah. it's it's awesome, right? <clears throat> like it's awesome. And I gotta tell you, like at at, at how at four years? Yeah, four years in. Like how far ahead of where I was at four years? Like I'm just like sitting here, like Jesus H Christ. Like I'm just thinking. Sorry, pardon my French. <laughs> I'm just thinking about like when I was four years in. What was I thinking about, right? And I'm like. Well, I was thinking about myself still, right? Like I wasn't mm-hmm. sponsoring people. I was because I was working in the field, and I felt like I didn't have enough knowledge of AA or the, the steps or any of that stuff to really help anybody. Yeah, I mean, I I can relate to that, David. Yeah, so I, I stayed away from that, and so yeah, it's no wonder. There's no doubt about it that you do the work because to be so enmeshed in trying to help others at that stage and i don't mean like enmeshed in a unhealthy way like you're chasing people to try to help them you know like some people chase people down the street like get back here and get get the 12 steps or no. your dad or whatever <laughs> you know we all know people like that and that's okay because it works for some people right um but the, the reality of being 
already just engaged in so much genuine service like of others, right? And I don't, and I, I don't know, everyone is different and everyone helps differently and does mm-hmm. different things. But I think once we realize, uh, or at least once I realized that the reason I'm still here, the only reason that would make sense to me is to help others. Yeah. Because David, the selfish David, doesn't deserve to be here, right? No. And so there's got to be, and I keep coming back to that because in my mind, that's what it's all about. Always, 100%. Right? It's not about me. It's, not a, it's only about me in terms of what I can help other people with. Absolutely. Right? And that in turn helps me be, get closer to God too. That's right. Right? Yeah. Helps me get to know me. Mm-hmm. Helps me get to know God. Yeah. And all I have to do is go out and pay back what was given to me. Mm-hmm. Right? That is it. Yeah. I, uh, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I know what you're talking about enmeshed. I had to do that. I didn't sponsor guys for the first nine months. Finally, my mm-hmm. sponsor looked at me and says, quit being so damn selfish. Mm-hmm. Who do you think you are? <clears throat> you know? Yeah. And I'm, I'm grateful for him. Devin has been so wonderful. Yeah. This is a man that has always been there for mm-hmm. me. He, uh, you know, he has never not returned a call or mm-hmm. answered a call. He has never not steered me back to the information yeah. as it pertains to what I was going through. Mm-hmm. And he's always done that. That's awesome. With a caring, uh, you know, sort of personality, right? Well, and he's right about it being selfish, right? Like when I think back about myself and not sponsoring, that's what I was living. Yeah. Because the rest of my life, I can I can guarantee you, it exhibited, it showed you a selfish person. Yeah. If we were to get down to the brass tacks of what I was doing back then, work was for me, everything was for me, nothing was for others. There was really nothing to give others, right? And um, obviously, I'm not proud of those times. That's just simply how my evolution happened. Yeah. Was And then once I was awakened to the fact that I was so damn selfish, obviously, I couldn't go backwards. Yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. I, just, I was like, I just, I can't be that person anymore. Yeah. You know, because that person's going to drink. It's like shining the light on something that you yeah. cannot put down, right? It's, yeah. uh, oh, wow, there it is. Yeah, because okay. everywhere you go, there's a street lamp above it. Yes. Shining right down on that thing. Yeah. No matter where you are. That light never ends. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Awareness. One of our principles. Mm -hmm. Where does that principle come from? Step 11. Mm -hmm. Right. Where I'm constantly trying to to be in closer conscious contact with God as I understand him or don't understand him. Yeah. And I like to don't understand because I've come to terms with the fact that I have no idea. No. And I never will. (laughs) I have absolutely no idea what's going on. (laughs) Never will. All I know is there's something at work here. Yeah. And I can't explain it, but it seems to be like it's for everybody. It's against everybody. It's kind of like this, eh, I'm just here. If you if you play by the rules, right? Like the universal laws. And when I think about that, when people come and ask me about God and, and how I think of God, I always think of the, I try to go now to the simplest. The simplest explanation is usually the right one. And I actually, I think it's from either CA or NA. I'm not sure which group it's from, um, but it's a little slogan. And all it says is, <clears throat> if it's not practical, it's not spiritual. Hmm. And I, again, I can't remember which, which group it's from, but that line ever since I came in has stuck with me. Neat. Like when trying to figure out about God and it's just the practical. And because what that means to me is like practical are the universal laws, right? Like yeah. whatever the, the universe has dictated as laws, that's practical because it's real, like yeah. gravity, those kinds of things. Um, and of course, helping others. It's yeah. very tangible, right? That that is, 
a spiritual practice. Love your neighbor, so to speak. Exactly, right? Yeah, yeah love your neighbor without the dogma. It's yeah. love your neighbor, but not because your neighbor can give you something. Right. Just love your fucking neighbor. Unconditional. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. yeah. Unconditionally. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. It's, uh, it's not easy for people like me, you know, that mm -hmm. suffered that mania for so many years to, to grasp by yeah. any means. But oh, I'll tell too. you, I grew in it by helping others. Mm -hmm. I didn't, uh, I didn't, uh, you know, learn or, or move my way into acting better. Mm -hmm. I acted my way into acting better. Yeah. Like I literally had to just try and do the actions, do it. Yeah. And it came mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, I learned, I have learned far more from reading that book and having conversations, reading the 12 by 12 mm -hmm. with sponsees and having them come back at me, I learned more from listening mm -hmm. in amends to the people I was making amends to, what they had to say back to me, same thing. It's profound. Than, it? than what I've learned from any sponsor yeah. or any, any book. Like, well, it comes from that book, but yeah. it is profound. It's yeah. profound how much I've learned just shutting my mouth and mm -hmm. listening. And uh, that humility started growing. That relationship with God started growing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I've been talking to my friend a lot lately, and I've really gotten on board with that whole humility thing. Because mm -hmm. humility, like it says in 12 by 12, is often misunderstood. Yeah. A lot of people view that as humiliation, yeah. when in fact it is just a form of being humble. It's mm -hmm. just the, the verb tense of being yeah. humble. And... Uh, and when, when you can look at humility, the word humility as being humble, uh, you know, it, it definitely has a softer, warmer connotation. Mm -hmm. And uh, and people are more apt to have a look at it. But w with humility, it, uh, it starts because I needed it. Mm -hmm. I absolutely had to try and work at it because my arrogance and my ego and my dishonesty got me to a point where I was 175 or 170 pounds. You know, black eyes, mm -hmm. sunken in, looking like a skeleton, gray skin, yeah, dying, yeah. literally dying. And I had to look at mm -hmm. being more humble. Yeah. Um, so, and as I did the steps with a sponsor, very important, I repeat, with a sponsor, mm -hmm. someone that could explain this stuff to me. Precisely. Right? Someone that yeah. wouldn't allow me to twist it the way I wanted to hear it. Yeah. You know, working with a sponsor is incredibly important. Mm -hmm. As I started doing that process, um, that humility, you know, that, that working at being humble started mm -hmm. changing me. It started making me feel really good. Yeah. Right? So now I'm wanting to do it more. Mm -hmm. But if, if you look at the irony there, that's still kind of selfish. Yeah. I'm doing it because I just want it. I like how this makes me feel. Well, you know, and, and then if you if you start if you learn that you do something and then it helps you stay sober, mm. for example, yeah, there's a selfish end there. Yeah, there's no. I don't think there's a way to get around being selfish, right? Like there's a certain amount of it, and I think like another thing with humility is that it's so elusive, right? Mm. Like it's so elusive, especially when we have a conversation about it. But obviously, we're purposely having a conversation. Yeah, and. So it makes sense to discuss the topic, right? Like, because 
some people, and they may not, maybe it's mostly, I'm trying to think of who has broached this subject with me the most. Probably normies, mostly, yeah. who are, why is humility so important, mm. right? Because they don't understand why that is such a vital thing when for them, they can either take it or leave it, right? It's kind of like a, if, you're, if you don't have a, an alcohol or a drug problem and you come in, but you come into this program and they tell you you got to be humble, you might be like, I don't think so. Mm. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but I don't like it. It means yeah. that I don't have power, right? right? And I think like... At least that's what I think it means. Exactly yeah. what I think it means, right? Because they, they take it, we take it, I took it the same way for a long time, was like, ooh, it's kind of a bad word, right? Like, sure. Because once you start talking about it, it's like it flies away. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I oh, do. I'm so humble. Uh, no, you're not. <laughs> no, because you just said that out loud. Exactly. But yeah. we well, to discuss the fact that humility is so vital for us to stay sober. Yeah. There's like there's no question if if we can't somehow get out of the way a little bit and let something else in, we're fucked. I don't know if you recall this uh, in your early years of recovery, but I remember when I started doing good things for people and I'd go to a meeting and I'd share it. Oh my God. I'd be like, oh yeah, I did this awesome yeah. thing. I helped this lady across the street. It made me feel so great. Mm -hmm. And it took a couple old ruffian yeah. timers to say, oh, there it is. Yeah. Well, yeah. Thanks. <laughs> thanks for sharing. You're wonderful. Yeah. And, and they made, you know, mm -hmm. again, I started becoming aware. Yeah. They made me aware that I was doing this selfishly. Mm -hmm. I was I was uh, still acting out yeah. in ego and self yeah. by saying it out loud. Yeah. I learned over time mm -hmm. to do things that were good yeah. without ever wanting any yeah. or needing or saying mm -hmm. any recognition. I, I didn't need it. And, and uh, the best good deeds that are ever done are the ones that are never discussed. Yeah. Right? Agreed. And I, I think it's like, but we still have to be able to discuss the concept of humility yeah. without feeling, you know, like we can't. Because the idea is um, we, that's a, a key ingredient to staying sober. Right. Right. Like, Absolutely. And, and I, I, can't, I can't stress it enough because over time, as time goes on, it becomes more vital. Mm. Right. Because if, if we get, and I could get arrogant real easy now. Right. Yeah. I could get real easy. Like, oh, I'm not worried about a drink. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Right. Like, nah, no chance. I haven't thought about it in forever. That kind of arrogance will kill me. Yeah. Right. Can end up being seen... fatal for guys like you and I. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. And I think as time goes on, that humility is just so much more important. And even if you don't ever think about it, but if you're working with others, you don't have to think about it. No. Right. And that's the key. That's the key for me, David, is. You know, like I got back into my career finally mm. after three years of recovery. Yeah. Fighting hard, running my own little business. Why? Mm. Not because I, you know, I was great. It was yeah. because no one would hire me. Yeah. I had no other option. Mm -hmm. I finally got back into my industry. And, uh, you know, that's when I stepped up my game. Mm -hmm. Honestly, started working with more guys. Yeah. I, uh. I need to stay on the beam, so mm. to speak. I need, I need to be in touch because my arrogance can kill me quickly. Yeah, and I have to always be on the lookout with yeah. that. I have to. Um, I think it's incredible that you've what you've created at work again too. Really, being neat. given an, an an environment where you already were at before, mm. where you have a total clear picture of the contrast, eh? mm. like being able to create an environment at your workplace where people feel 
like, and th this probably stands out to me a lot because I remember my early sobriety, I was an asshole and nobody <laughs> wanted to work with me, right? Like I was that social worker who people were like, oof, like stay away from that dude. Yeah. Like, I mean, I had no filter anymore when I got sober. So being a sober social worker in the environment I was, it was just like, you know, get the fuck away from me. You get the fuck out of here. <laughs> it was just so brutal, right? And yeah. But like as time goes on, um, I can't even remember what I was talking about now. The fuck a contrast of... Uh, yeah, the contrast. Sorry. Yeah. Um, but it must be so like nice to go there and feel yeah. like, okay, I actually have a chance to take this in all my affairs, right? Yeah. Which is what we're supposed to do. 100%. Yeah. It, it's not without its own, you know, like I, yeah. I'm still a human, right? Like it's I'm not, not without I'm not suggesting fears. it's perfect. I'm not suggesting yeah. it's perfect. No, but yeah. but uh, just to shed some light, like it, it has its fears too, mm -hmm. right? It's it's a whole new types of fears. Yeah. So my defects haven't gone away. Mm -hmm. I've worked at building character for years yeah. now. And, and the glaring ones mm -hmm. are very subtle now. Yeah. But they're just, there's a little different, like where, you know, say we start out being violent mm -hmm. and angry. Now I get frustrated or annoyed, you know, exactly. I have to constantly still be on the lookout, right? Mm -hmm. And so these fears, you know, mm -hmm. I'm not going to be successful or fear something's going to be taken away yeah. from me or, or whatever has now morphed into, wow, maybe I'm not good enough anymore now that I'm sober. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I've gone through that learning curve too, right? Because I'm building a new business here. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just, it always comes back to God. Mm -hmm. You know, this isn't me. Mm -hmm. I, God is everything or he is nothing, it says in our yeah. book, right? And I didn't know the depths of that. I didn't, I could never understand the depths of that. But I said I did, mm -hmm. you know? And then it came to me. Yeah. You know? It came to me actually while I was running my own business. Yeah. And I had to go back to step three and go, wow, I'm so sorry, God. Mm -hmm. I've been trying to run like my whole financial side of my life with my will. Yeah. I've been trying to will myself forward. You have shown me such dramatic, such dramatic improvement in all other aspects of my life, mm -hmm. family, friends, you name it. It was all wonderful except for the financial. And then I recognized, holy crap, mm. I've been holding on to this. I've been trying to think that I could control yeah. it and make myself successful. That my fears can help me. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And I got down on my knees and I said, my God, I have no idea what your plan is for me. Mm. However, I know you've got one. Yeah. I want to relinquish any kind of control I took mm. back. And, and please, like if this is your plan for me to just struggle like this, you know, okay. Mm -hmm. I'm okay with that because you know what? It's still far better than it was three years ago. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm sorry I got in the way. Mm -hmm. Within months, I was back in my industry. Yeah. I got the job. Like, it, unbelievable how it happens. Isn't it? It's, it's so unbelievable. All it takes is getting out of the fucking way. Get out of the way. Yeah. Get out of the way, Gord. Yeah. And so now, you know, when I talk about this, you know, and I'm back in this industry, Talking to people who saw me at my lowest, yeah. right? Trying to get business from these people now. Mm. Some are like, yeah, I'm good. Yeah. And some are like, you know what? We'll throw you a bone, you yeah. know? Okay. And I just trust. Mm. So now back to God is everything or he's nothing. Yeah. I have to just trust. Yeah. 
And that, you know, in the beginning was a blind faith, but today it's a total trust. It's mm-hmm. a total trust. Yeah. And uh, I just sometimes need reminders. Of course. I need to remind yeah. myself of yeah. that. Right. But, uh, yeah, I uh, maybe those old clients mm-hmm. aren't the ones I'm supposed to be hanging out Ex- with. Exactly. Who knows, right? I just don't know. Yeah. But it's been going well. Man, that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. I love my life today. Dude, I mean, it's... It's fantastic to hear and fantastic to talk with you. Um, is there anything like that you would tell people out there that might be just struggling in the dark? Something mm. that maybe you wish someone had told you. Like mm. it's always sometimes it's hard because we've been told a lot of things. Yeah. You know, and in in program, if you're in a twelve step program, you're usually told a ton of things before lunch. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Are there like staples or as some people say, like pillars that you would pass on or things like that? Yeah, I, I guess uh, I guess if, if you're out there listening to this, <clears throat> excuse me, and you're struggling. <laughs> something someone said to me a long time ago that didn't really help me at the time <clears throat> was don't give up before the miracle happens. Mm. You know, yeah. it can be as simple as that. Yeah. Just keep trying. Mm-hmm. If if trying is where you're at and, and you want some help and, and, you know, it's it's available to you. And if you fail, again, what is failure? What yeah. is success? I, I don't believe in that. Mm-hmm. Just keep trying. Yeah. God's got a plan for you. Mm-hmm. And by the way, these programs aren't religious. Yeah. You don't have to be afraid of that. Yeah, they're really not. I wasn't a guy, that, I'll tell you, I was not a guy that was into it. Mm-hmm. I had been to churches that, that people tried to prey on my weakness. And, you, you know, I, I had a definite resentment against that. And uh <laughs> Oddly enough, I now go to a men's group, a, a church, and I have ch- <laughs> church friends. You know, I'm Life happy. Life changes, man. It's bizarre, but <laughs> yeah. when I was first coming around, mm. yeah, I wasn't buying it. Yeah. And I'm here to tell you, you don't have to buy it. Yeah. We're not selling it. But what happens, you know, over time is that I, I just grow spiritually, and that's really, really cool. That's super cool, man. Yeah. Thank you so much. So don't much. give up. Don't give up is my advice. Right on. Thank you so much, man. Like, Thank and, you. and if you're out there and you're wondering, maybe you've been to 12-step groups and, and you think that, like we talked about in the beginning of this talk, like there are, unfortunately, there are people who will tell you not to come back, basically, yeah. in, in not so many words maybe, but you got to keep coming back because those people aren't the ones that are going to be there to help you anyway. They'll be doing their own thing, Yeah. you know, so... Yeah. You ever show up at a meeting I'm at, I'll yeah. always have an out, outstretched hand for you. Yep. Yeah. Uh, absolutely, man. So look for him out there. Yeah, look Even for him. Even though me. you can't see him, look for him. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Gord. Uh, Appreciate D- you, David, man. this is an honor. You know, uh, like we said, we were talking about being in the moments and mm-hmm. being of service and effective to God, my fellows. When you, when you uh, messaged me and asked... The only answer is yes, yeah, I will well, do it. 
Right? I appreciate that. And I mean, that's kind of the only answer I give people too. I think I've complained to Darcy about that before where <laughs> I'll be like, dude, I got to stop saying yes to this shit. But if they keep asking, I can't stop saying yes. <laughs> so no. like it's going to speak or something like that, right? Or a funeral. And I'm like, yeah. oh, funerals just take the piss right out of me, right? Because yeah. usually it's one of us, you know? It, yeah. And, and that always just takes the piss right out of me. There's a lot of death out there yeah, these days. There is. Yeah. So if, you, if you're out there, um, please listen to Gord. Come back. Just keep coming. Just right? keep coming. Yeah. Don't quit. I mean, quit, but don't quit quitting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's <laughs> Thanks so much for having me. I oh. really appreciate this. It's an honor and a pleasure. Thanks, man. It's, it's a the honor's ours for sure. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in this week to the Voices in Recovery podcast. Please stay tuned every Wednesday as we air another episode. Thank you for your time. And please, if you're in trouble, reach out. If you need to contact us at www.freedomspathrecoverysociety.ca or you can look for us on Facebook under Freedom's Path Recovery Society. Thank you again for tuning in. Please stay tuned for upcoming groups, activities, and podcasts.